Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? All right, welcome into another Auburn Live show. I am Justin Hokinson from AuburnLive.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. Appreciate everybody for joining us. Um, if you haven't uh, hopped over to AuburnLive.com, uh, got all the post-Iron Bowl coverage. It's all there, and a bunch of recruiting updates have been going on since Saturday night and Sunday morning, so make sure you're reading um, all of that from Jeffrey Lee and Cole Pinkston, AuburnLive.com. All right, let's jump right into it. Um, it's our Monday morning quarterback edition, as we do after every game with former Auburn quarterback Ben Leard. Ben, what's up, man? How you feeling? Oh, I mean, it's a mixed bag, Hoke. I mean, I, I'm obviously just heartbroken with the result of the game last night, but I, I don't know that. I don't know that in an instance of a national championship, I could be more proud to be an Auburn alum especially a, 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 an Auburn letterman. I Walking out of that stadium last night, I was so proud of those kids and so proud of how hard they played. They, they laid – they put it all out there. I, I don't think there was a single player on the roster that, that didn't lay their guts on the line and do everything they could to contribute to a win. And they were close, man. I mean, they, I know, I know there's no moral victories and I know you don't, the, the ifs and the buts were candy and nuts. Right. But those kids, those kids did everything in their power to win. And, and I, my hats off to them, dude, I, I was so proud of them and I, and I still am. Yeah, it was a, it was a rough one, man. Um, Auburn falls 24 to 22, four overtimes. Um, here's the funny thing. Nobody will believe me other than Cole Pinkston, who can vouch for me. I called that. Like, so it's probably fourth quarter. It's 10 to nothing. And I looked at Cole and I go, I just, it was weird. It's just a weird game. And I go, what? I go, I go, hey, watch this. I said, watch this be a game where Alabama's going to tie it up. It's going to go in overtime. And then it's going to turn into a, back and forth in overtime and the score is not going to be indicative of the game at all. I literally yeah. said that to him. I go, watch it go in overtime and then let's go like four overtime, three overtimes, whatever. And the score is going to be something weird that you're going to, that's not going to look like what the game was. Yeah. And um, it just, it was, I mean, it was, it just had a weird feeling um, of how that was going. The entire, the entire game was weird. I mean, yeah. the, the, and as an as an Auburn fan, you're watching it and knowing the explosiveness of Alabama's offense, you you had you felt the pressure at any moment the dam could break, right? And you look up and you're down 17, and it it was just an immense amount of pressure of what's to come and what's to happen. And man, I. You kept waiting on Auburn's defense to to just get weary and tired, and you know, and ultimately up until up until that last drive, man, they 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 put together another gear that I don't think Auburn has seen this season, and you, you obviously have to commend offense and special teams, but Auburn's defense last night. They played. They played a game that they found a different level of intensity, a different level of 
of just emotion and, and however they pulled it from one another to do what they did against ultimately one of the best offenses in the country or most explosive offenses in the country. I, 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 I was, I was, I was overwhelmed by it. And, and I, I, I was, you know, I don't know. I can't really, I sound like I'm stumbling all over myself, but man, these kids, they did everything they could and, and you, you can't do anything but applaud them. Yeah. I mean, look, I was dead wrong on what I, what I thought would happen when Auburn's defense was on the field. You know, we, we had our, our modcast um, as a part of AuburnLive.com. We, we had that and talked about the game and, I think I probably said the same with you. I did not like that matchup. I mean, I was just thinking about Derek Mason and the way that Auburn had played defense this year against that Alabama offense. I just, I was like, boy, if if they sit back and try to just kind of keep a top on it, um, it's like it's just not gonna, it's just not gonna yeah. work. Um, but credit Derek Mason for you know, look, they played man a little bit earlier in the year. Like it's not like they hadn't done it. It was just a mixture. Um, but credit Derek Mason, I would have loved to have been um, in the uh, in the film room or in the strategy sessions um, before that Alabama game. And, one, you know, I, I'm curious to know how that went down. Did Derek Mason walk in there and go, hey, this is what we're doing? Did, did players go, man, let us play, you know, let us free? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I would have loved to have been in there. But credit Derek Mason for, for saying – Hey, look, the only way we're going to beat him is we, we're going to have to pressure. And the band's playing one way or another, so we're going to take that chance. They took the risks on defense. Yeah. Alabama could have burned them. They could have burned them, and, uh, and 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 it is what it is. But Auburn, you know, he put a lot of trust in McCreary and those defensive linemen and, and the secondary to make plays and say, here's what it's going to have to be, guys. You're either going to make the plays or you're not, but this is how we're going to have to attack them and, and try to keep them in check because he knew, Derek Mason knew the offense – Backup quarterback, that offense didn't score in much. He knew, like, holding Alabama to, to like, let's say in regulation, holding them to 21, probably not good enough. So what's the difference in holding them to 21 or 38 if neither are good enough? And I think they went in there right. and said, we, we need to completely – we need to do our best to shut them down. And, my gosh, seven sacks. Uh, McCreary had a great night. I hate that he's the one that got beat. I know. But when, you, but when you're on their best receiver every play of the game – you're going to get beat. I promise you he won as many as he lost, and, and, yeah. and that's that's huge. But Hands down, hands yeah. down, McCreary made himself a lot of money last night. Oh, he certainly solidified it, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And, and, and you, you're right, man. You, you love to be a fly on the wall, right? You'd love to, to know, and, and you hope that you – the way the kids played with that fist fight mentality, I mean, they, they came out. I mean, you, you could tell a visible difference between sidelines. You could tell a visible difference of the aggressiveness and the attitude of the players. I mean, Auburn, those kids were ready for a back alley fight, top to bottom, and especially defensively. And, and I do. I think it was either a message from the players to Derek Mason, hey, listen, if we're going to go, if we're going to go down, let us go down swinging. Or it was a message from Derek Mason to the players of, hey, Roger, we're going to put you on eight. And he followed. He followed Mechie around the field the entire game. Yeah, you're good. We're we're gonna live or die by you, period. And and you're right, man. You hate that. Yeah, you you hate that Mechie had the catches to win that game, 
but you're you're a hundred percent accurate in the sense that I guarantee you that McCreary won more of those battles than he lost and, and throughout the entire game. And that's what ultimately put Auburn in position to go to four overtimes and be in a position to win the game with what ultimately turned out to be a one-legged backup quarterback. Yeah. And I, you just tank with 29 carries. You know, they knew the mentality of going into that game that there weren't going to be any 10, 20, 30-yard runs. Two, three, and four-yard carries were victorious and, and were ones to be applauded. So they knew it was going to be an absolute physical test for them to be able to be successful. And, and I think the mentality of setting that tone going into the game offensively and defensively, they knew they, they knew what their philosophy needed to be. So, therefore, they knew what small victories to celebrate and knew what to expect so that when they weren't gashing Alabama for 10 or 12 or 15 yards, it did not – it didn't dampen their spirits. They, they knew that what they were doing was ultimately going to work, and so, therefore, it kept them in the game and it kept them feeding off the crowd and the crowd off of them, which, you know, paid dividends. Yeah. Yeah, that Auburn, that Auburn defensive front, that's about as good as they can play. And you saw flashes of it, you know, early in the season. You thought they had that ability. Um, and then they just – it was pretty good at times. But, I mean, that, there's a lot of talent. It all came together. I mean, Colby Wooden, your defensive tackle, had 11 tackles. Derek Hall had three sacks. Um, of course, Zacoby McLean was fantastic. Um, and then, you know, you had somebody on the back end in McCreary with four pass breakups. Um, so really, your your best defenders played their best games, and and the result was really a def- a defensive performance for the ages. Forget how it ended, um, where they get to twenty four points, and I think they finished with three hundred and something yards. I think thirty yard. I think they had about probably three fifty in regulation of total yardage. I mean, they held that offense to sixty eight yards of to- total offense in the first half. Yeah. Um, I mean, they Alabama didn't get on the scoreboard until 8.44 in the fourth quarter. Um, it was just uh, – it was a remarkable effort. reminded me of some, you know, 2002 and 2005. Um, it reminded me more of 2002. Um, honestly, in Tuscaloosa, that, that team went to Alabama top ten and just shut them down um, with guys like Traverius Robinson and Carlos Dans being all those guys. Um, it was that kind of swarming – uh, performance and and I hated to see Derek Derek um, not Derek uh, Derek Hall on the field. We're up there and and the game's over and people have left the field basically and are leaving the field and he's kind of one of the last players sort of making his way from midfield to the locker room and he's just he is just I mean he slams his helmet on the ground he gets down on a knee just trying to compose himself he gets up he starts walking. Um, does it again, just kind of just just in disbelief, hits his helmet on the ground. I mean, just just I mean, heartbroken, heartbroken. Um, asked him after the game just what was going through his mind. He was like, it sucks. It's painful, you know. Um, and that that's who I hate it for, man. I thought about those players and you you were a player and you know you know about it. But I from my perspective, somebody that lives in the world of writing about it and 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 seeing fan reaction, that's the world I live in. Um, and then and then seeing that visual of Derek Hall, I mean, it was like, 
it, it almost want to maybe go to the board and just be like, I tell you what, everybody, like, just I want you. I wish I had it on video. I'm about yeah. watch this video of Derek Hall. Watch this. Now come to the message board and tell me about how mad you are. Um, it was very much say? like. I mean, it was funny, and maybe it was Nick Saban's rant the other day, but it was like. That there's nobody that it hurts more than those players and those guys. Right. And as mad as you are as fans, it's it's I promise keep it in some kind of perspective. I just hated it for somebody like Derek Hall who poured his heart out. Zakobi McLean, seniors, man, like yeah. and to lose it like that was just brutal. Brutal. Well, and, and hope you you said it best, man. That in the sense that that puts it into perspective of understanding. One, how much games like this mean to these kids. And and on the other side of the field, too, now. I mean, trust me, Alabama was was as excited to win the game, just as disappointed as Auburn was to lose the game. Yeah. So th- this is a huge ball game, regardless of records, especially when you when it comes down to the wire like that. But it does. It, it breaks your heart to see guys – like Derek Hall and, and Jacoby McLean and, you know, Chandler Wooten, those guys that ultimately, regardless of, of whether they return as super seniors or whatever, or if they go on in the NFL, whatever their scenario is, they, they're going to have to chew on. They're going to have to chew on the fact that they lost their last Iron Bowl in Jordan-Hare Stadium. As far as that goes, and, and that's that's difficult, man. I mean, I you know, it's twenty two years ago, and it really it irks me to know that I was the first starting quarterback in Auburn history to lose to Alabama at home. That that bothers me, and it it's it's not a prideful situation. I mean, it it sucks. So you know, granted, I you know, as a quarterback, you know, you do these kind of things and you look at it from the standpoint of watching these kids and being able to empathize with the amount of work that, that, that goes into it and the the trials and tribulations of a first year head coach. And, you know, they're, they're coming off a three games, a three game losing skid. And it was them against the world. It was David versus Goliath. The, the, you know, the, the only thing you have at this point is playing for pride and playing for orange and blue. And, you know, all of those cliche coach speak, you know, pregame and halftime speeches, every one of them apparently worked for these kids. And every one of them resonated with somebody in that locker room. And and they, they absolutely, I mean, absolutely laid it on the line. And it's refreshing to see, honestly, in a day of, in a day of ultimately, you know, we, we can call it what we want, but, NCAA football or college football today is a, is a glorified free agency at times. In a day of that, to see kids absolutely love competing and they despise losing and they love playing for the team that they are representing or the colors they're representing on their jersey, that's what it's all about, man. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about – uh, the game a little bit in, in, in X's and O's and, and, and strategy and things like that. I, I posted on our, um, on our message board um, on the corner on Sunday, um, just basically saying, Hey, look, I mean, we can, um, we can dissect this game until we're dead. Um, you know, 
but ultimately you lose games because of a collective effort. Like you don't lose generally, you don't lose because of one singular thing. You generally lose because a number of things go wrong. You generally win because a number of things go right. Plays are made, coaching decisions, whatever it is. Because I was just thinking about this game, and you know, obviously a lot of people, there's criticism all over the place. People are mad that Tank Bigsby ran out of bounds. People are mad that Brian Harson didn't go for two after the touchdown in overtime. And, or there's just a myriad of things. Um, but the bottom line is they're all like legitimate criticisms, I guess, to some degree. Um, and so I, I think there's plenty of blame to go around, if you will, blame. Um, but it is all, it is a game. Look, is it, Auburn was three touchdown underdogs, but the game plan was pretty, was pretty obviously pretty solid. And it's a game that Auburn put themselves into position to win, um, and didn't, I mean, that's the reality is that's four games in a row that you've been in position in the fourth quarter to win a football game and you haven't, it's three games in a row. You've had a double digit lead and you've lost it. Um, and so we can talk about why and, and why that happened, whether it's personnel, like what, it, I think there's the, the pattern of things. I think there's a lot of things that could go into it, but it happened. Yeah. So Brian Harson have, have got to figure that out. So I don't, I kind of, I don't want to get too much into, you know, I mean, Gary Danielson was kind of, you know, could kept bringing up, I watched the replay, kept bringing up the tank play. And yeah, it was a huge play, huge play. Can't go out of bounds. Can't do it. Um, doesn't matter if the guy kind of dragged you or held you up. You you got to dive head first to stay in bounds. You don't even you don't you don't even put yourself in position. You just you just dive forward and you stay in bounds. Um, the Finley uh, the Finley sack um, in the third quarter when they're in field goal position. He takes a fourteen yard sack. They have to punt. There's points off the board. The Finley interception after they take over on downs. Big momentum play. Um, but there was plays the other, the other way. If you're Alabama, you're sitting here going, if we don't fumble a snap and kick a field goal, maybe we win in regulation. If we don't fumble a snap on fourth and two, maybe we convert. Like both teams could play that game, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it's just, I, I think it's just kind of, I don't know. I think it's, it's sorry, this is my like soapbox. I just think it's a little worthless to go through this game and figure out where they could have won and lost. Because if you point at coaching, I can point at execution and. Where does that get us? It, 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 you're correct in that we, we can all go back and retrospectively look at good, bad, or ugly. But we also have to put it into, <clears throat> into a little bit of perspective and, and realize, I don't know, you could take a poll of the number of Auburn fans that were, one, that were in attendance of that ballgame, and number two, the, the Auburn fans that watched that ball game that thought it was going to be such a closely contested ball game. I know I didn't. Very few. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it's so so let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's let's realize that, hey man, give credit where credit's due. They had a game plan that freaking worked. They did some things to Alabama that put Alabama in difficult situations and caused them to play uncharacteristically poorly on offense and defense and special teams. So take take that with a grain of salt in the sense that, yeah, we can go back and look at, you know, you can look at the 14-yard loss on the sack with TJ and taking them out of field goal range. And you're exactly right. You can look at 
the the mistake or not going out of bounds. You can look at, you know, you get the ball with two minutes to go and Alabama has a limited number of timeouts. One first down. One first down, that game's over. Well, you can also look at it, okay, you know, Alabama gets the ball first and 10 on Auburn's three-yard line or on, on their own three-yard line if with essentially no timeouts. If, if we make – if there's one tackle inbounds, basically, one tackle inbounds, that hampers and handcuffs Alabama's ability to make plays. We can all go back and play armchair quarterback. But you said it best when you look at there were things that Auburn's game plan caused Alabama to do or that, that put enough pressure on them to make uncharacteristic mistakes that made it a freaking game in the first place. Yeah. It, you know, it is what it is, man. I mean, the game turned out the way it turned out. It sucked. We don't you, – you, you – you don't let it linger. I told Zach Etheridge last night, this is fuel. I hate it. Losing sucks. But as disappointed as you are as a coach, you could hear it in Carnell's voice as he did a post-game interview. You use this to fuel you for 2022. Period. Use it. Use it to your advantage. And that's what that's what good teams and great players do. That's what great staffs have the ability to do is use it as motivation and fuel. Is hey guys, you don't like the way this feels? Here's how we correct those mistakes. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, you know, look, and people can people can critique TJ and the way he played and the things that he did and and whatnot. He's he was the kid on the roster that that put them in position to win the football game. You got to applaud him. First big, first big time start he's ever had in his career, and I mean, I, I, I know, man, I know that I know that there's a lot of speculation and a lot of things we could go back and want to change, and if this happened, if this happened, but you know, if if this didn't happen or if this didn't happen, it the result of the game may have been a blowout as opposed to as opposed to a quadruple overtime loss. Yeah. And I, I pointed out on the board, I said, look, you know, you, you never do this when you win. For instance, let's say everything in that game goes exactly how it went. But on that last drive, you know, Jalen Simpson makes that play. Literally, if he makes that play, nobody's talking about Tank going out of bounds. Nobody's talking about TJ Finley getting sacked. Nobody's talking about TJ Finley throwing a pick. Nobody's talking about anything other than how awesome that staff is for winning the football game. You, you know what, you know what Alabama's doing today? They're talking about the catch. That's yeah. it. They're not talking about the fumbled snap on fourth and two. They're not talking about the, the, the muffed field goal attempt. They're not talking about the targeting call that Jamison Williams had against him. They're not talking about the mistakes that Alabama made. They're talking about a catch. They're talking about a drive. That's it. You're you're exactly right, Hope. If you're on the win winning end of that of that relationship, you forget all of the things that handcuffed you or handicapped you and and lessened your likelihood of winning the game. On the losing end, yeah, you're gonna go back and dissect and investigate and do all those kind of things that the the what ifs about it. But 
you know, that is, that is part of the game. That's part of the, part of the process. But at some point you gotta, you gotta let it go, use it as motivation and fuel for the next one and, and learn from it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Alabama is not over there talking about, I mean, let's be real. I mean, if you wanted to, if you want, if they lose that game, you know what they'd be saying? How did Nick Saban let this offensive line get so poor? How do you have two right tackles that couldn't block anything? Um, you know, how, there's 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 a whole host of things they could be talking about, um, and but they're not because they're right. That's um, right. So we move on. Auburn's going to play in a bowl game. Um, I would imagine that they'll be. Um, you know, that they should be ready to play that game. Obviously, it's an important game for Brian Harsin's his first bowl game at Auburn, so there shouldn't be any complacency, any stuff like that. We'll see kind of players, if anybody sits out, things like that. Um, what's kind of your, you know, take on the season? Brian Harsin was asked about it after the game and said all the right things. Look, said he said, I'm not – he said, my, no, my goal coming into the season, there wasn't a win-loss goal. He goes, I, every loss is – he's like, that's not acceptable. I mean, we don't accept losing. I want to. I want to. I want to slash in the win column every time we play. Um, he goes. M- m- my goals were to develop the culture and develop the standards and and create habits in the program and things like that. Um, and then obviously every game you play, you want to win. Um, and then now it's now it's recruit for Auburn. It's recruit and it's meet needs. Um, what what are kind of your impressions a day later of of now looking back at the season? I mean. I could play optimist and say, hey, Auburn went six and six, but they should have won the last three. I could play optimist and say if they had a little bit, if they just had personnel, just an yeah. upgrade in personnel, they don't, they don't, they don't blow the last three games. I could say they go nine and three. They maybe they don't lose yeah. to Penn State either. I mean, I could honestly say Georgia and AM game was a tough one. I don't really know. That, that turned into, you know, that that's a tough one to say. Maybe you should have won because it turned into such a lopsided game. That might have been a bad game plan. I don't know. But I could easily make the case that a few more players at offensive line, a couple of more wideouts in Auburn on Auburn wins nine or ten games. They they had the lead in all these games, but they lost them. So I mean, I and ultimately six and six is the record. So how do you kind of look yeah. at how this thing ended I, and what's your take on you know, trying I to mean, think about next year? You're obviously as a as a fan, you're disappointed in six and six. I mean, and 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 you have every right to be. But like you had said, Harson has has made no bones about the fact that he's not judging his first year's success based on wins and losses. While he wants to win every single game, he 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 does make note of that. But he is building something from the ground up, from a cultural perspective, and and understanding. That every day these kids are to compete. Every day these kids are fighting the battle for a position. And that's ultimately that iron sharpen irons mentality. And that's that's how you get to be able to compete for championships year in and year out. And I've got the ultimate amount of confidence in what they're trying to accomplish and do and, and win and be successful and do things and, and compete. So the the, the message I think now in looking at it is that they are, they have the ability to recruit and have the message of telling a kid, Hey man, we are, we are you close from winning nine or 10 going nine or 10 games. We, we legitimately are, we have a, we, you know, we get one or two stud receivers. 
we develop an offensive line, allow Will Friend to do what he's capable capable of doing with personnel and and, and recruit some of the kids that he may have targeted over the last several excuse me, several years. And then most importantly, allow Nick Eason, Derek Mason, those guys to get in the recruits that they have been garnishing so well and developing rapport with that they're not having to consistently run a three down lineman set. You know, they, they add a defensive lineman to the setup. They add another athletic linebacker, you know, to, to, to assist and do what they want to do physically and do some things from a, from a, uh, from a, you know, a defensive perspective that Mason is more accustomed to doing. And his personnel permits him to be as dynamic as he needs to be or can be. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think that's the, that's the word is it, I, I'm excited about where they're going. I'm excited about the capabilities of the staff. I, I like the staff a lot. I think they are extremely knowledgeable. I think, they obviously are were limited slightly with regards to personnel this season. And so I think they do need, they need the ability to have a recruiting season of their own, a full recruiting season of their own, and then see how they succeed or how they develop those particular players. This offseason is very is pivotal in their success, not only from a recruiting perspective, but it's pivotal to keep our kids out of the portal. It's they, they and that's that's one of the main stressors of being a college football coach today is not only do you have to continue to recruit to bring in new talent, you got to you got to keep your arm around the kids you got. You got to take care of what you what what got you to the dance. Yeah. And I get that, but that's a scary thought that that Auburn may be without Tank Bigsby next year. You never know. Yeah. Um, you know to look at it from that perspective. So. This offseason is huge. It's, it's pivotal to the success of not only the staff, but to Auburn, period. And I think if they're able to check those boxes, I think next year will be substantially better. I think the next will be substantially better than that. You know, and, and this is a championship culture, and Auburn has a championship appetite, and they're willing to devote and develop and, and insert and infuse the level of um, – uh, the level of funding and the level of devotion that needs to build that type of culture. Uh, and, and I've got, I've got high expectations and I think they're, I think they're founded. I think they're supported. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting, um, interesting few months as Albert tries to finish this recruiting class out strong, um, which they have, you know, everything we're hearing in a, and I said it probably late in the fourth quarter, I tweeted it. I said, look, Regardless of what happens at this point, this is a successful recruiting weekend because they showed fight, they showed you know competitiveness. Um, recruits are going, man. Auburn should Auburn recruits are walking away probably saying Auburn should have won the game, and the atmosphere was incredible. It was as loud, it's as loud a stadium as I've heard in a while. And um, I'm in the press box behind glass, and it and it was pretty loud. Like I know what that probably sounded like. Um, and so, great atmosphere. Auburn's got to finish strong in recruiting. Um, figure out personnel things. Maybe there's some guys that they would rather transfer. You know, who knows? Just kind of make some changes, see if they do anything on staff and kind of use everything they learned from this year in the yeah. SEC and try to dial it in a little bit um, and uh, and go from there. Harson's an interesting guy, you know. I mean, just I can never quite get a read on him. Um, he just – he's just very um, – 
after the game when when, when they're talking to him, I mean, he's just very matter of fact, and and it's uh, you know, um, he's just never going to show a ton of emotion. Um, but I, I think I think that's ultimately probably a good thing in in a head coach and something Auburn probably needs. I think he's kind of a steady presence in trying to build this thing, and so. Um, I, I honestly, man, I hate the culture we're in, in, in college football. Um, I really do. Like, I don't know where this came from, but it's just, I mean, just this, this fire and higher and fire. And I mean, it's just like, I hate it. I mean, the yeah. fact that people were talking about well, year one should Harson like, is he on the hot seat? Uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's just nuts to me. Have confidence in your coach, give him everything, give support resources, give him everything he needs for three years and then kind of look up and see where you're at barring yeah. like disasters barring right. you know you, you you you're looking in there going hey the program's falling apart like barring that it's something where you got to give them a couple of years yeah um because look back i mean look gene chizik went what eight and four his first year um there's there's nobody he, he's eight and four he plays alabama to the wire he wins a bowl game is there anybody after that season that would have predicted three years later, we would watch the worst season in the history of Auburn football. Like, no, how would you possibly predict that? There was also, there was also nobody that would have predicted that the next, the next season. Sure. What do they do? Yeah. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I, the, the, you just don't know is what I'm saying. Gus goes 12 yeah. and two, you know, and he had a good 14. Well then 15 and 16, they were basically like 500. And I mean, I wouldn't have predicted that watching the first two years of Gus. I'm thinking they've got, they've got, and then 15 and 16, just completely they're in the Birmingham bowl. I mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't have thought that was going to happen. It just, you just don't, I just, I want to caution people about trying to make long-term assessments on six and six year one, what that, what that means, because right. you just, there's a lot, there's so many factors. You just, you just don't, you just don't know yet. There's not enough data. So um all right well we'll uh we'll, we'll get we'll get back on here and talk before the bowl game let's do a preview um when auburn gets at it um and see where they end up in the bowl game who knows maybe memphis liberty bowl something like that i don't know um a lot of a lot of decisions to be made in the offseason we'll see how it goes regardless value and effort from auburn 21 point underdogs basically and they're up 10 to 3 and 10 to nothing and um, just a almost a historic historic game um, and win for for Auburn. Um, all right, man. Well, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Well, uh, it was good. It was good. Eight eight too much. Hope you did as well. And uh, yeah. and uh, we'll you know hey we li- live to play another day, my friend. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll take a few weeks off and come back before the bowl game and do something before the bowl game. Does that sound good? Sounds good, brother. All right, for Ben and Justin, uh, AuburnLive.com. Make sure you go, go subscribe. Between now and next couple weeks, a lot of recruiting information. Some good things are happening. Auburn needs to close the deal, so make sure you're tuned in to all of that at AuburnLive.com. Appreciate everybody for joining us, and we'll see you next time.